The first reading is Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample upon the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will lie satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Holy Gospel is written in the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at verse 1. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. 
They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Well, let me add with Andrews a very warm welcome to you this morning to our eight o'clock service. I'm going to be preaching mostly on the gospel reading from Luke. So if you want to keep uh, your fingers in that passage, it'll probably help you and help me. So before I start, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, please come upon us and make the word alive and real to us in our lives this day and always, we pray. So this term, those of us who are in home groups have been considering how we become like Jesus. And today our collect for the first Sunday in Lent reminds us that Jesus, who like us, was tempted. And in our Gospel reading, Jesus hasn't yet started his ministry. So if we look a little way back in Luke chapter 3 to verse 21, we read that Jesus was baptized along with the people. And we're told that as Jesus prays, the Holy Spirit descends on him and a voice from heaven identifies Jesus as his son. And so before Jesus begins his ministry, he spends a time as he's led by the Spirit out into the desert or the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and is tempted by the devil. So perhaps already we've come to our first challenge this morning. I know it's early, but uh, we need to think about uh, these challenges. And I'd say perhaps the first challenge is, for us in our first Sunday in Lent... Are we, like Jesus, led into quiet times and perhaps indeed protracted quiet times? So the next thing to think about is, do we fast? We may understand that instruction in different ways, but it is something to think about and maybe something that you have already thought about As many of you will have come to the Ash Wednesday service, you might have been led by the Spirit to make something of this Lent, and after a few days you may be beginning to feel it. But perhaps being tempted, as the Collect says, is a common experience and a shared one. So let's look in the passage to the temptations that Jesus faced. And as we do that, we remember that being tempted isn't sinful in itself. 
succumbing to it might be. And for us, for those who are followers of Jesus, we can remember that sins repented of are forgiven and that Jesus died for us, for that sin in you and in me. So there's lots of good news, even if there's some not quite such good news in the passage. The first thing that I think I'd say to you is that for us, decision and choice are at the heart of what it means to be human. So not only do we have the capacity to make bad choices... But even when we make good choices, choices that aren't necessarily bad in themselves, we can do it for the wrong reason, and we can do it at the wrong time. And as we live our lives, our daily lives, most of our choices are not between total good and total evil, but between shades of good a partial good, or even an evil that disguises itself as good. So I think we like things to be black and white, so we're quite comfortable with the idea that we shouldn't be killing, for instance. We're happy with that, it's black and white. But let's take another example that is probably a lot more nuanced and maybe it's something that uh, some of you have been thinking about over the last few days. Think about the question of alcohol. Now, we know that Jesus enjoyed a party. He enjoyed wine. You know, the Bible tells us that alcohol isn't necessarily either good or bad. And it's going to depend, to a certain extent, on ourselves. So that for one person, enjoying a nice glass of wine with a meal is going to be fine. But for another person, once the bottle's opened, the bottle will be finished. And so for that person, it's probably not such a good thing. Again, if we think about it in times and seasons, there may be a time when drinking is appropriate and a time when it's not. You'll probably remember that Jesus said at the end of his ministry that he wasn't actually going to drink as he faces his final days. And so for many, it's a matter of choice and decision. And again, in terms of the nuance of all of this, there may be a time when, you know, one drink becomes more than that. You know, you start going to sleep on the sofa in the evening instead of spending an interesting evening with somebody else. You know, the times and the seasons may vary. And I think that we do need the Holy Spirit to be telling us whether this is a time and a season for or not with alcohol. But as I say, not necessarily good, not necessarily bad. And I'm sure you can all think of other examples that fall into that same category. And for Jesus, the first temptation that he faces is in the physical realm. He's not eaten for 40 days, and he's hungry. 
And I know that at times of hunger, I have a tendency to say and do things that I might not otherwise do. And I can say and do things that I might later regret. I can sin in my hunger. This may be true for you as well. And in the Bible, we remember that Esau, when he was famished after being out hunting, swore an oath to sell his birthright to Jacob in return for some bread and some lentil stew. So I'd say that we can become fairly easy prey in the realm of physical, where our comforts are concerned. And how many of us have given up on giving up? Have we begun to think of Lent over-spiritually, thinking that it is just about Bible discussions and forgetting that discipline for our bodies is also something that's needed. But we look at our example of Jesus. When he's tempted to use his power to turn bread to stone, to satisfy his physical hunger, he sees beyond the immediate temptation. And he sees it as much directed as against whether he will be obedient or not. So which is more important, gratifying physical needs or continuing on with the spiritual experience that's going to build up character? Does the body lead the spirit or does the spirit lead the body? And Jesus deals with this temptation and faces it off with a short passage of scripture from Deuteronomy. Man does not live on bread alone, but to carry it on, he also needs God's word. And Jesus knows and uses God's word. And for us, we come this morning to be fed by his word through his spiritual bread and the sacrament at the Lord's table. And then courtesy of our friends, a physical breakfast later on. We come to be fed in all parts of our being. So the second temptation that Jesus faces is in verses 5 to 8. And here the devil sets his snare. And in doing so, he becomes a little bit more expansive as you read what he says. And give the devil a little bit of chance to speak a bit more. And he does rather reveal himself and give the game away. So what he's keen on doing is to undermine Jesus' relationship with the Father. Because it's upon that relationship that the whole of Jesus' ministry and mission depend. So what the devil's really after is he wants Jesus to worship him and to serve him. And, you know, the the temptation that he waves about is that uh, he claims that uh, it's within his power to uh, give Jesus the kingdoms of the world. 
But the big proviso is that the devil is going to retain ultimate power and control. And Jesus sees this one off, I think, quite quickly, again using scripture. Worship and service are for God alone. Then we come to the third uh, temptation, where you could interpret this as the devil trying to subvert Jesus' ministry by suggesting that he carries out a spectacular at the temple. So in this passage is the devil suggesting that Jesus might win people over by such means? Or is the devil hoping that Jesus might be destroyed in this way? So Jesus, um, or rather, Jesus defeats or has defeated the devil twice using scripture. And so now the devil is going to uh, play Jesus at the same method. And so the devil uses scripture to try to convince Jesus that doing this would be an amazing demonstration of Jesus' trust in his father. And the devil uses words from the great psalm of trust, Psalm 91, that's been our Old Testament reading this morning. It's for all of us a wonderful reminder of God's promise of protection for those who love and trust. But Jesus doesn't need to trust God. And he says, scripture tells us not to. And Jesus is obedient and content with that. The devil will not undermine the relationship between the Father and the Son. So the devil withdraws, but he's still waiting for his moment. He's still waiting in the wings. And for us, we know that that moment does come. And when it does, Jesus knows it's come. And again, using words from Psalm 91, he says that he can put at his disposal, if he asked his father, more than 12 legions of angels. But if he chose that path, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? How would we know the power of the cross to save? So I think the bad news for us is that the devil, although defeated on the cross, is still really pretty active. Don't need to look very far to see lots of the devil's works. And I think that the difficulty for us believers or not believers, is actually the devil doesn't like us very much. And that's an understatement. He really doesn't. So the question we need to think about is how can we, weak and vulnerable followers of Jesus, we're not Jesus facing the temptations 
we are ourselves. So what can we learn from the passage about how the devil works that might lessen our tendency to succumb? So a couple of things just to uh, go away with. I think the devil strikes when we're vulnerable. So in the first temptation, that's at a time when hungry or vulnerable physically. But I think conversely from that passage, we also take the fact that he strikes when we're on a spiritual high. And, you know, if, again, we've made a commitment or a decision to do something in God's service, I think that that's a particular time when the devil wants to intervene and upset that relationship between us and our Father. Second thing I think to think about is that the devil is a liar. We've seen it in the passage today. He says that all authority and splendor has been given to him. No, it hasn't. (laughs) If he does have power, it's because he's usurped it and taken it. He promises things, but he can't deliver. His promises are not trustworthy. So then I think that we should have a look and see how Jesus deals with the devil. And one of the things that I would say is this, is that he doesn't engage with the devil. And I think that our own safety lies with as little engagement with the devil as possible. He doesn't enter into a debate with the devil. He doesn't argue with him. His answers are short and pithy, and he answers from Scripture. So for us to know and study Scripture is one of the things that will help ensure our safety. But remember that the devil knows Scripture too, and he'll use it and twist it to try to convince us to make wrong choices. So again, we need to be wary of the use of Scripture and be certain as to what it's actually being said to us. And finally, resist. (laughs) Resist, and the devil will go away. So as far as resisting is concerned, I have chosen not to drink alcohol this Lent. And I had my first test yesterday evening as I went out with friends who are extremely keen on their wine. Not only are they extremely keen on their wine, but they always want to encourage everyone else to join in with them too. And as I was driving over there, I thought, I'm not sure how I'm going to cope with all of this because the husband of the couple is a complete joker and he's a teaser and he just goes on and on and on. But actually I thought, no, I've made the decision, I'm just going to say. And I asked for water 
And he said, oh, well, I'll give you a glass of water and a glass of wine. And I said, Alan, you can give it to me, but I'm not going to drink it. And he said, well, I won't bother then. And he had a non-alcoholic drink, which is amazing. So it's a silly little example in some respects, but it's just an encouragement that actually when we're fearful about how we're going to appear to other people, actually, if we resist, we're honoured. So as we journey through Lent, let's just remember the grace of the Lord helping us all within our temptations. And so let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that the devil is a defeated enemy and that we can claim safety through Jesus, our Saviour and our Redeemer, who passed the test with flying colours. Amen.